Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome back to the show. What a beautiful day here in Trash Can Studios. I got a good one for you today. Lots of theories, thoughts, ideas, opinions. Woo, let's go. Hey, Bob, hey, Bob. <laughs> I'm feeling good, starting bright and early. Feeling good, starting bright and early. Early bird gets the worm. Nah, something like that. Listen, it might be a little silly today. I'm just giving you a warning. Just giving you a heads up. Listen, Cyber Family, I'd like to welcome you back to the show. For those of you joining for the first time, this is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! <laughs> yes, sir! going to be fun today. Listen, we since I started this, I kind of been like trying to be very conscious of time, right? I know some of y'all might be listening to this while you at work, while you cleaning, doing dishes, you know, yard work, something you don't want to do, right? So you kind of put this on as a distraction to kind of zone out and get through whatever it is you're doing. Some of y'all driving. So I try to give y'all, you know, try to give you, you know, a quality amount of time. Right? But today, we're not focused on no time. We're not trying to get, we're doing that. We're getting in, we're handling our business, and we're out of here. <laughs> what that means, I don't know. Okay? Listen, I'm up early. I'm ready to record. I'm ready to go. Some news broke last night that I'm excited about. We're going to get to it in a little bit. We got some changes in boxing happening. Right? Major fight that was coming up. Right? We talked about it last week. Got some developments. Right? Transfer portal opened up. People going crazy in college football. The CFP was announced. Right? The playoff, the four teams. New Year's Six Bowls announced. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. But I want to start with this. (laughs) And I'm laughing because this somehow... This somehow, this meaningless, just me just talking, right, topic came up and has become a running thing in every episode. Here we are at 14, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up again. <laughs> We're going to follow it all year. Look, there was a lot of chatter last week, a lot of criticism, a lot of people wondering what's going on with Matthew Stafford, right? This was our savior. This was our God. This was the guy that was going to bring the Rams to the Super Bowl. This was our MVP. Three losses in a row. Like, oh, man, what's going on with him? Pick sixes in like two consecutive games. What's going on? Well, how do you feel now? Huh? Did you see that performance? Did you see that performance? Huh? What? Who's you? Oh, yeah, that's right. He did that against a bad team. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what a shock. Matthew Stafford played exceptional against Jacksonville. Hey, guys, that's been the knock on him. That's been the criticism. That's been my point. Is it a coincidence that they've lost three straight? 
happen to be three of the best teams they've played. They go against a garbage team like Jacksonville. He plays great. They win. Everything looks back on track. Yeah, duh. Again, we talked about it last week. The problem is against the winning teams. The problem is against playoff teams. The problem is against the best teams he's going to face. The guy not going to get the job done for you. At least not consistently. At least not enough to say, put your money on them winning the Super Bowl. Put your money getting to them on the, to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what I'm saying. Unreal. What? Listen, I was, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to lie to you. I was completely rooting for Jacksonville. <laughs> I was rooting for Jacksonville because I, I just, I, I just want, I'm very impatient when it comes to the sports, the ideas of predictions being right. Not saying I have to be right. Listen, sometimes I'd be right. I'm humble. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm always right. I don't know everything. Look, I don't know everything. Sports, eh, it's a crapshoot, right? I could tell you right now who's going to win on Sunday. I could pick a, a team and 50-50, I'm going to be right. So I'm not worried about being right. But when it comes to Stafford and when it comes to golf, the oh. Oh, wait a second. Did you see what golf did? <laughs> Look. <laughs> Look. Here's what I'm saying to you, okay? Let's let's break this down. Right? So so golf uh brilliantly led the Lions to a victory. Yes, I'm gonna I'm overplaying it a bit. Um in that last drive, twice. Two, maybe three times that game could have ended with a pick. Now, one time thought right to the receiver went to his hands. Luckily, the defender dropped it. I'm glad he did because that sucks, right? As a quarterback, you throw the ball right on the money, hits the guy in the hands, he drops it, right? Goes right through his hands to a defender. That's a pick. That comes up on your resume as a pick, right? Four days from now, no one's going to look at that and remember, oh, yeah, he threw a, a pick to lose the game. But actually what happened was it went through the receiver's hands. He did his job. The receiver didn't. Nobody remembers that, so you just get the blame. So I'm glad that didn't happen to him. But there was a second pass. that He, 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 oh, he tried to give it away. <laughs> I got nervous because the, the hate train was revving up, right? But he got it done. They got it done. The Lions got it done. Now, once once they won that game, something happened. The way him and the way Goff and, and Campbell, the head coach, uh, embraced each other gave me a little bit of hope that he does believe in this guy. He does buy into this guy. He does buy into Jared Goff and think that this this could be the answer. So the question, because nationally the idea or the thought is, is that they're they need a quarterback in the draft. They're moving on. Anyone else will do. Like the way the world has shifted and turned on Jared Goff is one of those things that's amazing to me. I think that's the reason why this has lived for so long with me and why this carries week after week after week after week. Because I can't believe the level of criticism that Jared Goff gets and the, the way that he's just been dismissed as like, yeah, he sucks. Like, what are you guys talking about? 
I can't be the only person that sees it. Now, granted, Jared Goff's limited mobility. He's not the most athletic person. He's not, you know, the most, he doesn't, his arm isn't the most dynamic. It doesn't just jump off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's got limitations, sure. But keep him in a clean pocket. The guy is going to carve you up. Like, that's, it's off, like, that's it. And Detroit has some young guys on the line that their offensive line looks to be headed in the right direction. If they can keep him clean, he can deliver. And again, the same way I said for the Rams, is it going to be much different from Stafford? Everyone loved Stafford in Detroit. Everyone thought Stafford just needed a better place, a better home. And he could show what he could really do. It's going to look the same with golf. If you build around him better than you did around Stafford, you can have a better result. But if you're going to continue to run the franchise the same way, guess what? Those two guys, pretty much the same. (laughs) Right? Point proven. Beating a dead horse. Hey, the horse is down, and I'm beating it. (laughs) Look... (laughs) We're going, let me bounce around. Let me bounce around a little bit. You know, now, let me take a moment. Let me take a moment to talk about the Cowboys-Saints game. Yo, I, I picked the Saints to win that game. Why? I was feeling down on the Cowboys. I was. And going into that game, I said, ah, it's a Thursday night game on the road in New Orleans. That's a tough place to play. Somehow, even if they don't, they're not full strength, they they always have some magic in that in that stadium. So I thought... I thought for sure the Cowboys would struggle. And early in that game, they struggled. Now, the defense played well. But again, even as a fan of the Cowboys, I have to be honest. I have to be objective. I have to say the level of difficulty that the defense was facing was eh, minimal. I mean, look, Taysom Hill. (sighs) They... I don't, he's terrible, okay? Like, <laughs> I want to say that he's not terrible. I want to defend him and say, like, nah, he's not terrible. But the truth is, is I just don't know if, I don't know if he's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's set up well to be there, to be a quarterback, just a quarterback. Because I feel like they have him doing so many other things. They have him different packages. And it's like, if he's not able to day in, day out, focus on just the quarterbacking, then what you get is kind of an uneven up and down. Yeah, he can kind of do things, but the little details he's going to miss. I think that might be more on New Orleans than it is on him. But Sean Payton seems determined to make this guy his quarterback. I, I guess he's a great guy. He's a great competitor. And listen, when he starts running, as a quarterback, you have an advantage. Right? As a quarterback, you have an advantage. It's the reason why the read option is so effective. It's the reason why uh, they run the wildcat. Because if you have the ball and you have 10 guys blocking, well, it's even. There's just one guy. There's one guy you got to beat. Right? So, that, I, I don't even know if I'm, if I'm making sense. <laughs> As I'm in my head, like, processing it again, I need you guys to understand. 
my head is going a mile a minute, right? And my mouth sometimes don't catch up and things kind of come out. Blah, 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 right? But what I'm saying is Taysom Hill is a good football player. If you want him to drop back 35 times and deliver from the pocket, it's not what he's good at. Wasn't what he did well in college. He's never shown that he could do it well in the NFL. So that's what the Cowboys defense was facing, and it looked like it. It looked like they were facing that. So I don't take much away from it. They did what they were supposed to do. Again, the good teams don't rise up or down to their opponents. They they play the way they play, and they get the job done regardless of who else is on the field. Now, the offense, the offense looks like garbage. So I've heard, I heard reports after, reports were that Dak Prescott appears to be pressing. He appears to either be trying to prove that he's worth the contract or trying to live up to the early season MVP talk or whatever. He's pressing. I don't care. As a fan, I don't care that you're pressing. I don't feel bad for you. You demanded the contract. You were willing to hold out for the money, right? That's what you wanted. Now that you got it, now you want to feel pressure? Too late, buddy. Don't care. Oh, they were talking about you potentially being an MVP and you feel like you have to live up to that now and you're feeling some pressure. You're trying to do too much. Don't care, buddy. You got to get the job done. Now, listen, full honesty, I'm not 100% sold on Dak Prescott. I'm not. Sorry. Part of it is I, I'm massive Tony Romo fan. And a part of it, it never sat well with me that they drafted Ezekiel Elliott to help complement Tony because when Tony had DeMarco Murray and he was rushing for 1,800 yards and the defense, and the team was built around the run, he had an MVP caliber season. And I think in 2014, he should have won it. But, of course, 2016... They draft Elliott, and preseason, he gets hurt. Dak Prescott gets to step in. The team is perfectly set up, perfectly set up. If you go back to 2016 and you look at that roster, that, that roster was perfectly set up for the quarterback to come in and, hey, just don't blow it, and you're going to look at the team's going to work. It's going to be phenomenal. And that's exactly what happened. He got all the credit for turning the franchise around. He became the guy who was, oh, look at what we did. Look at this. We found him in the draft. Woo! And he got all this credit. and got all this praise. And they looked at it like what he was doing was vastly superior to what Tony could have done. And that didn't sit well with me. Then I watched him play. He was kind of limited. It seemed like, hey, he needs Zeke to get over 100 yards. that He could play off of that. Well, to me, that doesn't sound like an elite quarterback. That doesn't sound like that top 10 guy. Right? That sounds like a guy right in the middle, which is what most of the league is. You need other things to work out for you. But he was being talked about as if he was top five, top ten, when really he was more between 15 and 20. Now, he's steadily gotten better. I would put him probably right outside top ten. Right? I would 11, 12 maybe. 
in the league if I really sat down and did it. And I promise you, one day I'm gonna write my tiers. <laughs> I'm gonna write my quarterbacks list, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna let y'all know. I'd probably put him at eleven or twelve. He's working his way up into that top ten, right? Now he's a good player, but there 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 always seems to be in the worst possible times in the worst possible moments. An indicator that shows you this is exactly why he was drafted in the fourth round. The entire NFL didn't make a mistake. There's reasons. Now listen, the guy's intangibles are phenomenal. Great leader, great work ethic. Like teammates seem to love him and want to play for him. Like he 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 can get, get all the troops together. He can gather the troops. He can rally them. Like that, all of that stuff is phenomenal. What I see from Dak and what I would like to see more from Dak is sometimes you got to go make a play. See, in college, Dak was a, I want to throw the ball, but if it ain't there, I'm gone. And I'm going to take off and I'm going to make a play. There was a real sense of, I'm not protecting my investment. I'm playing football. Sometimes that means I got to run you over. Sometimes that means I have to jump over the pile. Even in his rookie season, he seemed to be a little more still in that mode of just play ball. Now, this year, it looks a lot like he wants to stay in the pocket. And even if he gets out of the pocket, he's not looking to run or make a play. He's looking to make a pass. And that sometimes, I think, is the problem. Dude, just go back to playing football. You can't play the game if if you're try if you're limiting what you can do because you're saying I have to pass, I have to make a throw. It's like no, if you have to just play the game. If the pass ain't there, but you got a ten yard run, you gotta go. This there ain't nothing there. It ain't open, bro. You gots to go. Get out there and make a play. That's what I need to see from Dak. That's what's missing. For me, it's, that's what's missing. Every once in a while, we need you to just go make a play. And right now, you seem hesitant or a step slow or you seem like you're thinking too much and you're not just playing ball. Here's my message to Dak. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. Just go play ball. That's what got you here. You going out there and just playing every Saturday, just playing ball, doing whatever you need to do to win is what got you right here. That's what got you that contract. When you on that field, your contract don't matter. How much you get paid don't matter. Just play ball. Go make plays. Do what you do. And I think that's going to go a long way for the offense. I think that's going to make a major difference. Switching gears a little bit. Switching gears a little bit. I do want to get... I do want to get into college football. It's probably going to be a college football heavy episode today. But before we get into it, I do want to um I do want to touch on something that I noticed. And I feel like not enough people are talking about it, and I feel like in a in a roundabout way. I feel like in a roundabout way the media is saying it without flat out saying it and that is listen hold on sound the alarms 
Sound the alarms. The hate. Here comes the hate, okay? <laughs> I don't know how much of this is hate and how much of this is just... It's just like... It's going to sound like hate. Once I say it, you're going to be like, oh, here he goes with the hate. All right. It's... It's over for LeBron, right? When you watch him play, Father Time just caught up. Just caught up. He's old, man. He runs old. Even his jumps are old. <laughs> like, and it's not even a knock. It's like, it's, it's, it's a reality, and it smacks you in the face when you see it, and you just go, oh, wow. And you realize how much time has passed. And you realize, like, wow, this is what it looks like. And, and like, I watched it from beginning till now. See, with Jordan, like, when Jordan started, I was born in 87. Jordan was already out. Like, he was already there. He was already Jordan by then. Do you know what I mean? So by the time, like, 2000, 2001, when he was with the Wizards happened, I didn't, that version of Jordan, for me, wasn't much different from, like, 98. You know what I mean? Like, that, not much time had passed from that. So when I was consciously watching Jordan... Right, he was already kind of beyond his athletic peak. I watched LeBron come in in two thousand three and just be superhuman. And now, at this point, eighteen years later, you're just like, oh yeah, that that's what happens. But you, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't looking. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't even know how to say it, but it's. It's, I just think, I think it's over. I think people go after LeBron. I think he used to have this feeling of fear, right? People used to be afraid. Like, you wouldn't want to challenge him. Or you wouldn't want to go at him too hard. You would trash talk a little bit, but you was always aware. You know what I mean? Like, free agents used to flock to wherever he was because he was guaranteed we got uh, we going to win the chip. It's not like that anymore. Look at their roster. Nobody nobody really looking, nobody checking to go there. Nobody was trying to link up with LeBron. No. You know who was? The people who were there, the old guys. The older guys that came up with LeBron, that remember LeBron being LeBron. They still hold that, oh no, he's still the guy. But it's like that's your little clique that believe that the young, the young, the young boys in the league, they don't really look at you like that no more. They they see like, oh, he ain't, you know. And I think that window for a title, I think it's closed. I think it's shut. I think that whole I think if you believe, or if you even think, if you're thinking that LeBron might win another chip, shut it down. It ain't happening. It's not. Last year, for me, in the playoffs, everyone was like, oh, you know, he, he needs help, blah, 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 blah. He, he, he's a little injured. You can see it. He's still not 100%. Like, nah, that wasn't injury. That was age. That was him going against a Phoenix Suns team that's young and athletic, getting up and down the court. He can't do that no more consistently. He can't, he can't do that three times in a week. He might have a game where he goes off and you're like, oh, that's vintage LeBron. 
But he ain't going to come back two days later and give you that again. And he's not going to come back four days later and give you that again. Like, he just, he's at that age, man. Age caught up like it does with everybody. There's no shame in that. It's not, not, this isn't shade. This isn't hate. This is me just acknowledging, yo, the greatest basketball player of nah, a short window, <laughs> that's hate. <laughs> I'm not going to say of my generation because I don't believe he's better than Kobe. I don't. I think Kobe has an edge on him. And I think that was another thing that happened and that came to light after Kobe passed. Rest in peace. I think you started to see in the league that Kobe was the guy that people really looked at as, this is our, this is our hero. This is the guy. This is who we all look up to. This is Kobe. And I think some of that magic, I think LeBron's lost it. And I think the media won't say it. They won't say like, yo, LeBron, you know, he's just getting old. It's not the same guy. They continue to put it on. He needs help. He needs it. That's just another way of saying he can't carry the load. Last year in the playoffs, they said something like, oh, how do you feel about being able to carry? He said, I got broad shoulders. I was I was made to carry this. No, you can't. And he tried. Watch that series against Phoenix. He tried. He tried to beat LeBron. He tried to carry the load. He tried to carry the team. He tried to put them on his back like it was Detroit in 2005 and carry them. That wasn't 2005. That was 2006. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, he tried to carry him like it was back then when he was in his 20s, early 20s. And he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I've always said LeBron is one of the most physically gifted basketball players ever. And most of his game was based on, I'm too big for a guard to guard me. And I'm too quick for a big man to guard me. So I am just a physical, I'm at a physical advantage no matter who steps out here. And that allowed him to get to the basket when he wanted. He was strong. He was a good finisher, but he was never a good shooter. He had he has no post-up game to speak of. And as he gets older and ages, because he's still playing like he's young, he still don't have that consistent jump shot or a post-up game. And so now it looks worse because he has nothing that he's falling back and he's aging into like ray allen aged into just being a three shooter michael jordan aged into being a mid-range jump shooter hit him with the fadeaway he aged into that kobe to some degree still kind of aged into that back you down i got some post moves like worked on his footwork they age into that transition of i can't beat you athletically but i can beat you with just fundamentals and skills and being pinpoint having my footwork on point lebron has to transition into that if he hopes to have any chance of winning a chip which i just don't see happening i don't I think he's asked to do too much at this point. I think the rest of the team is too old. I think they can't. It, the problem Again, the problem with age is, as someone who's 34 myself, the problem is never that one day. Like, I can, we, I can max out on Monday. But Tuesday? <laughs> Tuesday, I'm waking up and I'm sore and I'm going to have a rough day. And if I got to go again on Wednesday, I had 100% on Monday. I wake up on Tuesday at 45. 
I can rest and recover to get back to 80 on Wednesday. Now I'm playing at 80%. If you keep doing that because the basketball schedule is grueling, just ain't got it. So when you look at the rest of the squad, they're they're old and they're going to all have the same issue at the same time. If we got to come back in two days, it's, you know, we're going to be a little lesser. Like, we're just too old, man. These young guys, they got it now. I knew that when they put the team together. That it was it was old and it was going to be, it wasn't going to do nothing. It was going to look cool in the regular season. It might put up a bunch of points and a bunch of wins and everyone's going to be, oh. But when you get in a series with them young boys, it's over for you. They're not getting to the finals, and I think that's... I, I want to say it's a shame because I don't want to seem like I'm completely hating, but nah, I ain't mad at it. <laughs> if LeBron never wins another chip, I don't care. <laughs> that's y'all king. That ain't mine. Let's move on. I got We got it. We got to talk about boxing, right? We got to talk about boxing. Before we get into college football, because trust me, I got a lot of topics on college football to get into. We're going to spend a lot of time there. So let me touch on this. So it was announced this week that Tommy Fury was pulling out of the Jake Paul fight. Scheduled for December 18th. That's right. Just mere days away. Not very, just two weeks out. He pulls out of the fight because of a medical illness. Now. Initially, it was reported by Jake Paul in a little in a little video he posted, and he announced that Tyron Woodley. They called him up. He said he was ready. He's been training. He's they're gonna now have the rematch. The date is the same. Everything stays the same. The venue's the same. Just a different opponent. And I came in here last week and I had said, "The fight's coming up fast, but who cares? There's no interest in this." I laid it out for you. I laid it out for you that Showtime don't care. Like, they already made their money back. They already made their money and some on the the Paul versus Woodley fight, the first one. And then with the Canelo Plant fight, they already made their money. They're good. These these next two fights that they're contractually obligated to hold for Jake Paul, don't they don't even care. They don't care. And the biggest evidence of that was, did you guys see any of these press conferences for the fight with Tommy Fury? Did you see any of them? Did it look the same as when they did the press conferences for Showtime? Did any representative for Showtime do any? Did they host a press conference? Did they mediate? Were they on stages? Was the setup? Did they have the backdrop? Did they have any of that promotion? The answer? No, they didn't. You probably didn't even know that they had three press conferences. Hey, guess what? The first one, Tommy Fury didn't even show up. It was just Jake Paul. Garbage. The second one. Jake Paul didn't even show up. He was remote calling in on a screen. Garbage. The third one, same thing. Jake Paul's not even there. The z- zero coverage, right? Showtime put but Showtime, I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you. Like, they don't care. So what happens? There's no interest. Here, let me let me put it out for you. Let me make it to you blunt. Is there an illness? Nah. No. There's just no interest. See, Jake Paul's business model is generate interest. Regardless of what happens, if there's interest, we have money, we have revenue. 
this Jake Paul is in a no lose situation in this rematch with Tyron Woodley. He was very quick to announce in the same video that the rematch is happening that he's giving he. I'm giving Tyron Woodley an extra $500,000 if he can knock me out. Okay, what does that mean? It means I want you to be interested because if he can pull off this knockout, he gets extra money. So come tune in because he's going to be motivated to knock me out. And I'm motivated to knock him out. And this is the rematch. See, Once you announce Tyron Woodley, all of those haters come flooding back. And they they will now watch this fight. Me being one of them, I'm interested now. Because I saw what happened the first time. I saw you skate by. I saw you barely get out of there with your life. And you giving that guy a second shot to come do it again? After he's seen you, after he knows your skill, after he's tasted your quote-unquote power. Oh, yeah, I'm watching that now. But if Jake Paul gets knocked out, now you just set up the trilogy. Now you set up a trilogy. There's interest. Even in the trilogy, there would be interest. From both sides, because everyone wants to know how is he going to bounce back. That's been my biggest thing. I love watching a guy bounce back. I love when, when somebody loses, when they're like thinking of themselves as being invincible and they lose and they have to come back, pick themselves up off the ground. I'd love to watch Canelo do it. When Canelo lost to Mayweather, I was more interested in him after to be like, well, how does he respond? Right? When Manny Pacquiao got knocked out cold by Marquez, I was interested to see how is he going to come back? I'm always, I I rooted for Mayweather to lose, not because I hated Mayweather, but because I was curious to see, what does he do? How does he come back? When your whole image is tied to this, I'm unbeatable, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, look at what I'm doing, nobody's doing this, and then you lose, how do you come back? Hey, Tiafimo Lopez, I'm very interested to see how you come back. When your whole image is shattered, how do you bounce back? How do you piece it all together again? I love a redemption story. I love redeeming yourself. I love when you get knocked down, I got to get back up and go right back up that hill. I love all that. That's fascinating to me. The psychology of it is fascinating. So I would love to see Jake Paul lose for that reason. Is he going to leave the sport? What does he do? How does he think of himself? All of those questions come into play. So... I think what happened was, I think they looked at Tommy Fury and said, look, there's no interest in this fight. We're not, we're not generating anything, right? There's, the pay-per-view numbers are going to be garbage. They're going to be non-existent. You might sell 17,000, <laughs> and that's being generous. Nobody cares. This is, nobody cares about this. You, Jake Paul, are not a, a, an elite boxer. We saw that. In your last fight against Tyron Woodley, against a guy who's also not an elite boxer, you look like trash. So, no, we don't buy into this hype of, oh, we got to watch Jake Paul now. And you're going against a guy who also on the same night, unfortunately, looked like trash. And he's not from America, so American fight fans don't really know him. 
So again, the interest isn't there. I think they told Tommy, don't worry about it. We're not going to fight. Keep Here's some money. Keep it on the hush. Say you got an illness, right? Say you got some issues. We're going to kind of clown you a bit. We need you to be cool with that and not spill the beans. So here's the money you were going to get anyway. Right? Take the fall. We'll give you the money. And just move on. And then I think they called Tyron Willing and said, yo, it's on. We got you. Because the interest immediately now is, oh, I'm curious. And I think the idea is, hey, if Jake Paul loses, we got a trilogy set up. Every sports fan loves a trilogy. A final definitive, each guy's got to win. Who's going to win the third one? Who's going to... Who's going to get the bragging rights for the rivalry forever? You could sell that. And if he wins, then you can move on and say whatever. It doesn't matter. But this is, for this one event, this is the best. This is the best you're going to do. It's the best you're going to do. I, I bet you this has been in the works for a while. I, I'm pretty sure it's been in the works for a while. I'm pretty sure they had him on standby for a long time. Just saying, like, be ready because this this might happen. We might have to pull the plug on a Tommy Fury fight. We're not getting the same traction. Could you be ready to go? That's it. That's what I think happened. Now, my prediction for the fight, I think Tyron Woodley knocks out Jake Paul. I think he does. That's my prediction. I don't think he knocks him out cold, but I think the ref stops the fight. What round? Five or six? Here's why. Here's my here's my logic. I said before the last fight, I don't believe that Tommy Fury has real power. Now, does he punch hard? Yeah, if you're not paying attention and you get caught with a right hand from Jake Paul, like, yeah, you might... Might be hurt. Might go down. Yeah, like I think most people possess that ability, right? Like that's not unheard of. If you stand there and you let me get a clean shot on you, you're probably gonna go down, right? Especially if you're that big and you're generating that much force. Like, yeah, most guys can. But I said, look at who he's knocked out. Anderson Gibb didn't even knock him out. He knocked him down. And the ref just stopped the fight because it was like, this is not going anywhere. So cool. It's not going anywhere. He knocked out Nate Robinson, who was charging forward with his head down and got punched in his head. <laughs> yeah. What do you think was going to happen? If I charge you with my head down just and you punch me in my head, yeah, I'm going to go down and I'm going to be hurt. Especially if I'm 190 pounds and I'm hitting you with all of my soul. Yeah. I'm going to get hurt. Right? Then he, then he knocked out Ben Askren, but again, didn't knock him out, but caught him with a clean shot. Ben never saw it coming. Caught him clean. Went down. Got back up, but went down. Ref stopped the fight because he looked a little wobbly. This, again, same as with Anderson Gibb. Like, this isn't going anywhere. This, is, this isn't going to get better for you, so we're going to stop the fight. 
against Tyron Woodley was a different story. I said, I don't think he possesses that. I'm going to line up and punch you night-night. He don't have that. He don't have a Deontay Wilder punch. He don't have that. And I also understand that if you're going to deliver a knockout shot, you got to be willing to take something in return. You got to sell out. You got to sell out. So you're either going to A, set up the punch perfectly, or B, sell out. Leave yourself wide open and swing for the fences. Now, against Tyron Woodley, he has to respect him as this is a real fighter. He tasted Tyron's power. Didn't want no part of it. Right? Realized I'm in with a guy who I can hit. He not bothered by me. But when he hit me, that's a little different. I ain't never been hit like that. Even in sparring, I got my headgear on. I got, it's a little different. Right? Nothing wrong with that. You just started a couple years ago. This guy's been fighting his entire life. Like, there's, there's a difference. There's levels. Now, I don't believe he's going to sell out and swing for the fences against Tyron because he respects his power. So he has to go the route of, I got to set it up. The problem is Jake Paul hasn't been fighting enough. He's not seasoned enough to be able to set up punches without telegraphing it. Like, we can all see what he's trying to do. If you watch boxing and then you watch Jake Paul, you, you see what he's trying to do. You can see the way he's setting up. You can see the way he's positioning himself. You can see what he's leading with and what he's trying to follow up with. You can see all of the traps he's trying to set. Because, again, he's still young. He's still young in the sport. So he's still going through the steps as he was taught them. But a guy who's seen, who's been fighting... Like, Tyron Woodley could see all that. Now, he, because again, regardless of what you think of, oh, it's just a YouTuber, you have to respect your opponent. When you get in the ring, you can't be stupid and just be reckless because that guy is punching, he's throwing punches at you. Anybody can get caught with a punch and get knocked out. Like, it don't don't take skill to get knocked out. Like, you can just be stupid and get knocked out. So you have to be aware of that. So I think he was a little cautious. It was his first time in a boxing match. It, what, it was all these firsts for him, and he was being cautious, and you saw it, and it reflected in the performance. Everybody saw, oh, he's clearly better than Jake Paul, and if he presses Jake Paul, it's over. He's going to win this fight. And what you saw was Jake Paul doesn't like being uncomfortable. He doesn't like pressing. He backs up, sure, because he wants to back up and then counter with the left or come over the top with the right as you're coming in. Again, your momentum coming forward, his momentum coming forward, they meet, you got a knockdown. Right? But he don't he, but he wasn't back and he he was on his back. He was running. Okay? He was nervous. He was getting pressed. So, Woodley has to come in and press the action, and I think he's going to. Because again, what does he have to lose? He already lost to Jake Paul. He already suffered the 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 online uh, roasting from from everybody on Twitter and Instagram and all Jake Paul's fans talking about how trash he is and ah you lost ha 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 you lost he had to deal with all that already and he's still here he had to say oh I lost I dealt with the backlash and I'm still here oh what difference does it make if I lose again it don't make a difference it don't make a lick of difference I'ma still be here Ben Askren still living his life having a good time who cares we over it. People might roast you, you might be a meme, you might be all this funny stuff. Who cares about the Nate Robinson knockout now? Honestly, do you ever think about it? Nah, you think about it when it comes up or you see it or whatever, but it's not a thing anymore. 
Luckily, we live in an age today where people are over things in an instant. So Tyron Woodley has to think, yo, I'm going for broke. If I murder this kid, I get a little attention. I can parlay this into something else, something bigger. If I lose to this kid, whatever, I just got paid. I go back to doing what I was doing before. So I think he's going to go for broke. I think he's going to go in, go for broke. That's it. And I think he's going to knock him out. I think he's going to press him. I think Jake Paul is going to get desperate. I think Jake Paul's trash. And I think he's going to lose. I think he's going to have to sell out because his strategy of setting it up ain't going to work. I see what you're trying to do. No, not falling for that. And he's going to have to swing for the fences and leave himself open, get caught. Ref's going to have to stop the fight. He's going to be taking a beating. That's my prediction. Now, off of that, because who cares about that? Stupid. Let's talk about college football. Yes. Yes. First of all, let's start with biggest news of the day. Just last night, it was reported that Ohio State hired Jim Knowles as their defensive coordinator. Now, if you don't know Jim Knowles, much like myself, wasn't as familiar, knew the name, knew the rep, but not really like, I don't know, no. Even now, I don't know, no. He was the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State. If you've been paying attention to college football this year, Oklahoma State is like ranked very high in the nation on defense. And he's the most sought after defensive coordinator on the like everyone was kind of going after him. There's rumors that Penn State was saying, yo, we're going after this guy. So he was a sought after commodity in Ohio State. Whatever they did, got him, got him on board. Now, this says what it means. To me, it means this. Number one, Ryan Day is not playing. He's about winning, and he wants to win a chip. And more importantly than a chip, what happened at Michigan can't happen again. They got pushed around. That defensive line got pushed around all day. Nah, 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 nah. That can't happen. Unaccepted. Not here. And this is why Ohio State is an elite program in the country. There was an issue they went and attacked it and got the best candidate to fix the issue. Now, is he going to come in and turn everything around? I don't know. But you needed to make a change. This was the best guy on the market. There you go. So, hey, Michigan, poke, poke, poke the barrel you want to. I can promise you this. I promise you this. It ain't going to look the same next year. And I know. I know. I'm just a bitter fan who keeps telling you, next year, man, wait till next year. You got your bragging rights. Throw it in my face all year. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) But please believe, a year from now, things going to be right back to what they've always been. You're trash. I'm sorry. Let me stop hating. (laughs) Listen, congratulations to Michigan. They are in the college football playoff officially. They won the Big Ten. Good for you, man. Good for you. (laughs) You did it. You won it. You won the Big Ten. You're in the college football playoff. Now, the four teams in, it's going to be Alabama versus Cincinnati. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And it's going to be Michigan facing Georgia. Now, as they were unveiling it, and it was four Cincinnati and three Georgia and one and two. They were talking about who's going to be one, who's going to be two. Some people were saying Michigan should be number one. 
Some people were saying, oh, Alabama's got to be one. Here's what I'm glad about. I am so ha- I was rooting so hard for Michigan to be at two, so they have to play Georgia. Because I'm be honest, <laughs> as bad as Georgia looked in that SEC championship game, and trust me, they did. They got housed by Alabama. They're not losing to Michigan. No, no. See, here's what happened. Alabama has great players. Alabama has great talent. Alabama's number one recruiting class every year. They have all of the dogs, right? Now, what happens when you have all of these elite players with an attitude, with a chip on their shoulder, with a point to prove, with laser focus, with absolute determination on one goal and one goal only, and that is destroying you. You know what you have? You have what you had on Saturday. You have a team who has the players, the mindset, and the game plan to dominate. And that's what they did. Now, I don't care what you say. Michigan doesn't have more talent than Georgia. So Michigan's going to need way more factors to go their way than Alabama did. Alabama had the guys, they had the dogs that could do that to Georgia. They could do that to anybody. And that was the reason why people were saying, yo, even if you have two losses, could you say that Alabama is still one of the best four teams in the country? Of course. Now, listen, I hate Alabama. But you have to acknowledge, like, yeah, even with two losses, they're still one of the, they're still better than Cincinnati. Like, I don't care what you say. They're, listen, I know that ESPN has to sell it as, like, Cincinnati and Michigan both have a chance because you don't want to just acknowledge we're going to have a rematch of the SEC title game, and it's going to look different. The result might be the same, but it's going to look different. But the truth is, Cincinnati is going to get washed. Michigan is going to get washed. Like, that's just the way. It, you just ain't got the dog. You ain't got the NFL bodies. Just look at how many guys on Georgia are going to get drafted and then go to Michigan and see how many guys you think are going to get drafted. Like, you just don't have the dogs that they have. That's fine. That's fine. If you have a great game plan and you say laser focused, you might, you got a chance. Anything can happen. This is college football. Weird things happen all the time. But if you're a betting man, the line opened up at seven and a half, and there's a reason. So I would like to congratulate Cincinnati for getting in, but let's be honest about Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> you watch him play. Eh. You know, I'm going to tell you exactly how that game with Alabama is going to play out. I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to play out. It's going to be close. First quarter, it's probably going to end. I'm going to say Alabama is going to be up 7-6. to six. Right? It's going to be like one of those close games like, oh, man, Cincinnati's really holding up. Their defense is going to look like, oh, they're not getting pushed around. They're all right. The offense is going to be moving a little bit. They're going to be like, oh, okay, here we go. And then from that point on, take off. Alabama's going to win that game by 30 points. It's going to be something like 51 to 13. <laughs> is that 30 points? <laughs> 
Right? It's going to be something like that where you're going to be like, oh, it was close early, and the score probably is going to look more lopsided than it is. But Cincinnati's just, eh, they're all right. But that's where it ends. They're just, they're all right. They're solid. They're really well coached. Proud of Luke Fickle, you know, coming from Ohio State. He he was put forced to be the interim coach, showed some promise, and Cincinnati hired him. And he's a great coach, man. Really good coach. I'm happy for him. But again, you ain't got the athletes. You ain't got the athletes, bro. And that's what it's going to come down to. I have the players. You don't. And this is only one game. This isn't a series. I have the elite coaching staff. I have all of the better players. Ta-da! <laughs> we going to win. That's what Alabama is saying in the locker right now. Like, we got this. We are going to destroy them. And it's not enough to win. We must humiliate them. And the college football committee is like, yo, you guys have to annihilate them. So we never have to worry about this conversation again over should we put him in, should we put him in, do they deserve it? It's over. Michigan game is going to look a lot the same. It's going to be close for most of the game. Because Michigan's team, they do run the ball well. And that does travel. That carries. You could go against anybody. That works. They're going to control the clock. They're going to do some things. But in the end, again, we have all the players. That's it. Ohio State was relegated to the Rose Bowl. They're going to be taking on Utah. Hmm. How do I feel about that? It's disappointing. It is disappointing. And I am curious to see if anyone's going to opt out. You got Chris Olave is going to the league. Will he opt out? I hope not. I hope that the team doesn't opt out. I hope they don't have a lot of players sit in order to start preparing for the draft. Because I do... I know that that's a thing. And that as a person and as a player, you do have to think, man, when, when, when Jalen Smith for Notre Dame got hurt in that Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State, does make you think, is it worth it? If it's not a, a playoff game, if it's not a chance for a national title, is it worth it? You could lose everything in one moment. It's that kind of a sport. So I, so I get it. But I don't like it. Like, I just think that because it's college, because it's a university... Because you're a kid. like You know what I mean? It feels more like a loyalty has to exist. Right? It feels more like... Like Chris Olave came back. You know what I mean? It feels like... I don't know. I don't know. It feels like high school. It would be like sitting out your final game of high school. You know? It's like... It, hold on. Like, we have to play this. This is when it's fun. This is the last time... It gets to be just fun. It's the last time you get to just go out there with your guys and play ball and there's there's nothing at stake. There's no pressure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just, the last time. I don't know. I don't know. I was off when I'm in La La Land. Sorry, y'all. <laughs>
But but so here's so here's what was so a lot of the conversation going into the uh, selection Sunday was should they expand the playoff and would expanding the playoff be good for college football? Here's what I'm here to say: this the argument. And the arguments and the fights and the debates over who's going to make the playoff, that is what makes college football special. I'm not one of these guys who says, oh, you can't have a playoff because then it ruins the integrity of the regular season. It makes it less important because now you could lose games. Like, no, I'm not saying that. But I am saying the debating it, the arguing over it, the fighting over who's going to get these spots. Even though there's four spots, it's still exclusivity. And that still makes a difference. That still matters, right? That's what makes college football amazing. That's what makes it what it is. When they say like, when they say like, oh, uh, if you expanded the playoff to 12 teams, you would get rid of all this debating. It's like, yeah, then you would get rid of like the fun. As much as you might hate it that there's only four teams and your team got left out and that's not right and that's messed up, it's that's really what makes it so fun. That's what makes it so awesome. Is that you have this every weekend is now still pressure filled. They they found a way to make it so that every game is still super important. While still at the same time at the same time saying you do have a margin for error. Now, I think it should maybe expand to six. I don't. I think eight might be too much. I think you do lose some of that. If you open it up too much, then you do have more teams like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a team that might have gotten in, like a Coastal Carolina who... If you're gonna have them face the number one or two team, like they're they're gonna lose that game, and that's what's the what's the point of that? You're just forcing people to play an extra game they don't need to. You're running the risk of somebody getting injured for the next game, like you know what I mean? It's just a waste. We know what's, we know the outcome. College football, unlike the NFL, there's the, the, the talent. It, there's there's difference. There's different levels. Alabama's talent is on a whole nother level from South Florida. Right, from UCF, from Wake Forest, like they're they're different level. If you make those two teams play, we know what the outcome is. Now, once every fifteen years, they might lose to a Coastal Carolina, but that's it's so rare that it's not worth it to make it happen every year. Get my point? So I think six is a good number. Now, go back and listen to episode two where I gave you the layout for how you could fix college football, make it the greatest sport in the world. But go back and listen. But based on that, you still keep the exclusivity of the regular season. You still make the playoff. You still have debates. But it's a lot more. Each week is its own, like, massive matchups. So you no longer need to wait till bowl season to say, now we're getting these matchups. You're getting more of them in the regular season. So now it's very important. So if you do have six, you don't lose any of the magic of the regular season. It's still great. And you still get great matchups in the postseason. But those debates, that's what makes college football. It was awesome when the BCS existed. Like, who's going to get the two spots? And you had the computer, and it was all this weird, wonky thing. That was awesome. That made college football special. Now you got the playoff, but you still have the committee, and it still makes it special. That's what college football is. Don't ruin that. Don't take that away. Right? 
Don't take it away. So the transfer portal is going crazy. These young kids are going crazy. From Ohio State, Jack Miller and Quinn Ewers both transferred. What does it mean? I have some comments. Jack Miller, I'm not mad at. You've been there. The writing's on the wall. You know, you're not, you're not going to play. He was never going to play at Ohio State. He was third string now. C.J. Stroud has three more years of eligibility. Like, sorry, bro. You ain't playing. So he's leaving, and go for him. Hope him. I wish him the best. Seems like a good dude, like whatever. Quinn Ewers is the one that I want to talk about. I do. I want to touch on this. Because I think what happened with Quinn Ewers is, is an interesting thing, and I think it's a great representation of what's currently happening with kids and guys now. I think we live in, a, in an era and a time where things are so easily accessible and things are so immediate, right? Like, I can send a text message to anyone in the world, and they will get it within, like, three seconds. So it's like an instant bang, got it. I can make a purchase on Amazon. I can look it up, purchase it in 10 seconds. Everything is immediate. I want it now. And because of that, because of that technology, because of access to all that stuff... I think it's starting to seep into other things. And I think Quinn Ewers is a great representation. And what this shows me with him transferring is a guy who says, I want it now. Right? So last year they passed the rule that uh, college players can uh, make money off their name, image, and likeness. So that was a great, in my opinion, that was an amazing compromise by the NCAA to say, hey, listen. We don't want the schools paying you, but you are on TV. We are exposing you to the world. We are living off of your likeness. You know what? You can go out there and make money based on your name, image, and likeness. So if you want to go sign autographs, get paid for it, go ahead. You want to sell a t-shirt with your face on it, go ahead. And I thought that was fair. I thought that was amazing. Like, what a compromise. Because the concern was, well, if the schools can pay the players, then players are just going to go to the school who has the most money and the big boys have the most money. Like, they're going to get all the players. It's going to make it a lopsided college football atmosphere. So what you do is say, nah, you can go get your own money. You can't get it from the school. Go get your own money. That's fine. Therefore, the guys who can really earn money will, and the guys who can, they, they won't. But it's open for everybody. So I guess that extends down... To anyone, so Quinn Ewers in high school going into his senior year was looking to capitalize on that and make some money because he was the number one recruit in the nation, the most coveted uh, quarterback in a long time, and super popular and, and gaining popularity, wanted to make some money off of his name, image, and likeness. Texas ruled that high school students can't do that, though. Now, you can't make no money like that in high school. You can't. Take those endorsements in high school. You're still kids. Like, duh. So what he decided to do was reclassify and skip his senior season of high school. Now, again, I guess he must have had the credits or been eligible to graduate. I don't know how it works, but he must have. Somehow he did something so that he can get out of high school for his senior year and enroll in Ohio State. 
gets to Ohio State, gets some endorsements, signs some deals, makes some money, rides the pine. Well, number one, that says to me, you wanted the money now. Now, he says, hey, listen, I come from a a pretty good family, but we don't need the money. Uh, It was principle. That's weird to me because you're 17, 18 years old. What do you know about principle? Now, I get it. I should be able to make money off of myself anytime I want. I should be able to make money anytime I want. I get it. Sure. You're playing football. People are putting you on TV. They're interviewing you. They're making money off of you, but you can't make money off you. I get that. But if you had just played your senior season of high school, right, been a kid, just just finish strong. Like, just finish it. Like, just be who you're supposed to be, a a kid. Just be a kid. Instead, you said, no, I, I want that benefit now. No, I don't want to wait a year to, to sign a, an autograph deal. I, I want it now. And he went and he got it so he can get it now. Then he goes to Ohio State. And there's CJ Stroud, who's a five-star. There's Kyle McCord, who's a freshman. He's a five-star. There's Jack Miller, who was a high four-star. He's there. And then you come in a little late and you're a little behind. Also, you're supposed to be a senior in high school. The challenges you're now taking on by being on a college campus, being off on your own and being treated and looked at and considered an adult is different than what you would have been doing in high school. That's a culture shock. There's no babysitting no more. Time to grow up. You weren't ready for that because you were supposed to be a senior in high school. But you needed that paper. So you went to get it now. Fine. More power to you. Awesome. Here's what I'll say. The writing was on the wall when you got to Ohio State. And then C.J. Stroud, you know, we'll talk about him in a second. But he puts up a Heisman-worthy season. He's a redshirt freshman. He ain't going nowhere. Kyle McCord seems to be a coach's darling. He's in the two-spot. He ain't going nowhere. You are going to sit for at least this year and next year probably. But you want it now. I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait my turn. I want it now. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Not mad at somebody for transferring. You only get four years of eligibility. Yeah, go go where you can play. I'm all in favor of it. I'm not saying Quinn Ewer should have sat the bench and just been happy sitting the bench. No, go play. Transfer to go play. The point I'm making is he needs to be careful because if he wants everything now and he's now creating a pattern of he wants what he wants when he wants it and he's going to do whatever he has to do to get it when he wants it. The problem with that can quickly become, hey, you might have a Spencer Rattler situation where you're so confident, where you're so athletically arrogant that you end up never really living up to the billing. And if you're so concerned about the other things that don't matter as much, well, that can cause some problems too. I'm just going to go on the record. I, 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 don't, I don't think he's going to live up to the hype. I don't. I watched him play. I, I watched highlights. I watched all that. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. 
I don't. I don't. Let's let's touch on this. Let's touch on this real quick. I'm going to touch on this one last thing, and then we're going to get out of here. Let's talk about the Heisman. Right? So the finalists are Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. Yeah, that one. That guy. The guy where week three, you guys were saying, let's put someone else in. Let's see what else. Let's see what someone else can do. This isn't the guy. He's so trash. Get him out of here. Yeah, that guy is the Heisman finalist. Kenny Pickett. Quarterback from Pitt and Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan. Ugh. Listen, you get, he's having a yeah, he's having a really good year. He's a good player. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> he's a really good player. Not mad at him. Look, can I be honest? Can I be completely honest about Kenny Pickett? I'm trying not to hate. Look, Kenny Pickett went to uh, Ocean Township High School. Uh, that's also where I went to high school. So I, I, I'm naturally like the guy that's like, oh, he went there. Like, nah, he ain't nice. Like, I don't know. I have like a hate factor. <laughs> so I'm, I try not to hate, right? I try not to hate. But also because he went to the same high school I went to, it's like I also don't want to like overly praise either because then I seem like I'm biased. So I, nat- I sometimes naturally over-exaggerate hate so that you don't think I'm being biased just because there's some kind of a connection there, right? But I watch Kenny Pickett. I watch him play. I hear the hype. I hear that, oh, he's a potential first-round pick. I don't see it. I don't think Kenny Pickett's very good. <laughs> I don't. He's a, you know what he is? He's he's a perfect college quarterback. He's a guy who could throw a little bit. He's a guy who can run. He's athletic. He's reckless. He's willing to do whatever it takes to win. He's a football player. Guys, first round draft pick? Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? I don't see it. I don't see it. Aiden Hutchinson, congratulations for the nomination. You have no chance of winning this award. Defensive players have to be so beyond amazing to win this award. It's just easier. It's easier to show somebody, hey, look at CJ Stroud's numbers. This is what he's done. And it's more it's easier to show, like, oh, he's great. Look at those numbers. As opposed to a defensive player where, yeah, you got 13 and a half sacks, but like you rush the passer like 65 times a game. So over the course of like 1,700 rushes, you got there 13 times. Like that's not impressive when you look at it that way. For like the average person who's not paying attention to how much impact you can have on defense. So like it's not as clear cut as, oh, I threw 50 touchdowns. I have 7,000 yards. It's, it's just easier to show the offensive production and have people wow at that. Bryce Young is winning the Heisman. I would love to see C.J. Stroud win the Heisman. But in all honesty, if I'm being completely honest, he doesn't deserve it over Bryce Young. That game against Georgia, the way he threw Listen, coming into the year, I didn't... I thought he was, like, okay. For most of the year, I thought he was okay. That game showed me something. And it's not 
the numbers he put up. It's the demeanor. It's his demeanor. It's 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 the he plays with such a confidence. But it's not arrogance. I listen, I like him a lot. Going to the next level, I like him a lot. Because he has like this confidence about him, this knowledge about him, this belief in self, this belief in what's happening, this belief in the system, the belief in go where it's supposed to go, and he throws it accurate too, man. He's a good player. He's going to win the Heisman. And he deserves it. C.J. Stroud will probably come in at second. He deserves that too. Kenny Pickett will probably come in fourth. And I think Hutchinson will come in third. I think just because a lot of people are going to vote for him just to validate having the defensive player there. That's my opinion. Plus, Kenny Pickett, I just think, is not. He's all right. He's all right. He's great for college. Projecting to the next level? Nah. Backup, maybe. Then we take some hill. That's exactly what he's going to be. <laughs> Y'all, I'm great at comparisons. <laughs> I do this comparison thing, y'all. That's my time for this week, y'all. Listen, let's go with some predictions. It's going to be NFL heavy because, you know, college football is done for a little bit into the bowl season. I love bowl season. Let's get into some predictions, though. I'm going to take the Chiefs to continue the Raiders slide. The Raiders continue to slide, lose again to the Chiefs. I got the Cowboys beating the Red Hot. Washington football team. I'm going to take the Lions to double up and beat the Broncos. And uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals to beat the Rams because what do you know? They have a winning record and Matthew Stafford stinks against winning teams. <laughs> Those are my, pick, my picks for the week. Listen, man, I hope you had a good time. I hope everybody stays safe out there in this holiday shopping season. Don't get trampled. Listen, no fighting over items. They're just items. <laughs> Listen, man, that's been my time. I'd like to thank you all for joining me. Listen, go follow me on Instagram, the John Ferris. Yeah. <laughs> I'll catch y'all next week, man. <laughs>